0: Bismillah rahman rahim alhamdulillah, rasulillah wa sahbihi wa man wala So we're going to start with this book, The History of Mecca Mukarrama And then eventually we're probably going to go to The History of Medina These are both really nice, mashallah um, Again, as preparation for visiting the sacred places For those that are going in the near future or who will go later, inshallah uh, We're just going to start from the beginning because there's a lot of really good stuff here Interestingly, I was looking at the Arabic and there's like some things that are in the English that are not in the Arabic that are really nice and there's some things that are in the Arabic that are not in the English that are really nice. So (laughs) I don't really know how to make sense of that other than to say that we'll probably just do the English and then uh, after we finish the English, I'll go and look in the Arabic and if there's like certain things that we missed We'll come back to them inshallah Okay so Bismillahir Rahmanir Raheem I actually don't know if this author is still alive or not So may Allah bless him and reward him for his efforts And give us benefit from him as well So uh, Allah has He's. You know this is obviously begins with Mecca And Allah has chosen the place of Mecca to be uh, his chosen place, Subhanahu wa Taala, for his house in Kaaba, and it's in the, it's at the foot of a valley that is surrounded by mountains, and there's an area that's um, low-lying, and that's called Batha. You might see some of these words sometimes in like poems or songs or. Uh, like I think Batha is in the Burda somewhere. So it's this area, it's it's a certain side of Mecca, basically. And then there's another side that's the e- to the east of the, the Masjid al-Haram that's known as Ma'la, that's like a higher ground. This would be like the direction that Jannat al-Ma'la is in, which is where Sayyidah Khadija is buried, radiAllahu anha, and many other righteous people. Uh, the Prophet, Wasallam, actually praised Jannat al-Ma'la the the graveyard of uh, and mala so it's n- it's not a bad place to go if you can find it when no one's stopping you from going and uh you know and then there's another area that's to the west and south That's called an Misfella. that's the lower ground and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa was among those who lived in the Ma'la area he was born there and lived there until the time he I- migrated um, so this is good to know Right, Like if you're If you're Let's see If you're going around the Kaaba Here's a lot of pictures and stuff They're pretty cool Um, You can find I found these in Medina Last time I was there I don't know if you can find them in the US or not But uh, Inshallah you can try to pick them up somewhere So if you're going around the Kaaba and you come to the point where you're getting to the hijr ismail you know that half circle the hatim when you get to like the point the the corner where the where the hijr ismail starts that basically points to maala so you can know that's the direction this is that area of mecca is where the prophet was born and raised and lived and um and so on which is kind of beautiful to think about Uh, Allah had selected this blessed city to be the location of his house and it was here that his final messenger Sallallahu Alaihi was sent and all of the final message to all of humanity was obviously you know in this place and extends from this place he has given us the place where we make tawaf which is unique the act of worship of tawaf of circling the Kaaba is unique to anything else there's no other time or place when we do that it has the Hajr al-Aswad it has the Rukn yamani uh, which are places that were touched and kissed by the Prophet ﷺ, and many many people throughout history. It's an honored city that Allah has taken oath by multiple places in the Quran. La uh, un um, uh, al-balad, and sort of the balad that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, I swear by this land, and um, and then in, in uh, the other one, bihad al Baladil amin Amin also is a swear by this same city. So obviously, it's it's a wonderful place, and the heart is attracted to it, and it's the sweet fountain that, although providing satisfaction, a person's heart cannot get enough of it, and the more a person visits it, the more their heart yearns to return to it. This is a beautiful expression, right? It's a splendid house. Uh, it's a splendid city which houses sites where du'as are readily accepted where sins are forgiven, where difficulties are alleviated, where there is no disbelief, where there are no weapons you can't really like carry. It's the, it's the haram, it's a sacred, it's a, sancta- it's a safe place. You're not supposed to... I mean, obviously security is different, but the average person is not doing that. And there's a number of hadith about the virtues of Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ addressed Mecca saying, By Allah, you are the best of Allah's lands and the most beloved. Had I not been forced to leave you, I would have never done so. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam So this is one of the evidences that people use to say that Mecca is better than Medina right because the Prophet's telling Mecca you're the best of lands and I wouldn't have left you but then you know what their response is to it the people who said Medina is better they said the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made dua oh Allah give us a love for Medina that's like the love of Mecca or more (laughs) and the dua and the dua of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is answered so that (laughs) so this is where the back and forth comes He also said, I love you more than any other city. Had my people not forced me to leave, I would never have taken up residence elsewhere. These are all different narrations, but similar meanings. Um, He also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah had made this city sacred the day He created the heavens and the earth. when, uh, When Allah created the heavens and the earth, He made Mecca a sacred place. He determined that it's a sacred place. And its sanctity shall remain until the day of judgment. Its thorns cannot be broken, its animals cannot be harmed. And things that fall on the ground cannot be picked like things that are lost, cannot be picked up unless with the intention of returning them to their owner. Like you you have to be very particular about how you deal with Mecca. He says it's also forbidden to cut the grass that grows naturally here. So, like, every, th- it just has to be left. It's a sacred place. Ikrama radiallahu anhu, who is from the Tabi'een, from the scholars of the Tabi'een, Or Ikrama's from the Tabi'een? Ikrama's a Sahabi. Ibn Abi Jahan. He said that saying say, says that no harming its animals even refers to m- removing an animal from the shade. So basically, when it says you can't harm any of its animals, he said, What does that mean? It means if there's an animal that's resting in the shade, you can't move the animal out of the shade so that you can rest in the shade. That would be unacceptable. Rasulullah said, There is no city in which the jinn will be unable to enter besides Mecca and Medina. Every street will be lined with angels standing in rows to protect them. Oof, It's epic. The Prophet them said, On the Day of Judgment, I shall be the first to rise from my grave, followed by Abu Bakr and Umar. I shall then go to the people of Baqiyah. Baqiyah being the graveyard next to the Masjid Nabawi, where there's hundreds of t- tens and hundreds of thousands of the Sahaba buried there. He said, Then I will go to the people of Baqiyah, and they will rise with me. And thereafter, I will wait for the people of Mecca, and I will rise, and I will come between the two Haramain. Sallallahu Alaihi sallam. So this is Mecca, right? Mecca is a, uh, it's a, mag- subhanAllah, you know, Allah is, Allah is uh, beautiful and Allah is majestic. He's Jalali and he's Jamali, the qualities of Allah. They're described as being majestic and being beautiful. And Mecca is majestic and Medina is beautiful. Right, They're n- but Mecca is a majestic, It's it's strong. It's a strong city. It's powerful, right? The names of Mecca that are mentioned in the Qur'an are numerous. Uh, the fir- one of them is Mecca itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Hu- wa huwa ankum anhum bi min ba'di an adhafarakum alayhim." That it is Allah who restrained their hands from you and your hands from them in Mecca. Right? After granting you dominance over them. So it specifically mentions the name Mecca. Uh, the name Becca is also mentioned. Becca they both have to do with e- getting rid of sins and clearing the persons. That's the original meaning of these words. Like uh, Mecca is to eradicate. So the name Mecca because when you go there, it wipes away all your sins. And Becca is similar. It takes away all your sins. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, <laughs> Indeed, the first house designated for people was the one at Becca, which is blessed, and the guidance for the universe. Uh, it's a guidance for everyone. It's also called in the Qur'an, Umm Al-Qura, the mother of all cities, Umm Al-Qura. وَهَذَا كِتَابٌ أَنزَلْنَاهُ مُبَارَكٌ wa وَلِتُنْذِرَ This is a true book that is confirming that uh, which was there before. And so that you may warn the people of Umm Al-Qura and that which is around it. And th- they say the rest of the world. So it's referred to as Umm Al-Qura, the mother of all cities. And there's different reasons they say that could happen, but you know, uh, in the end, one of the one of them that's very clear is that for us as believers, everyone turns towards Mecca. So Mecca is like it's the mother in that sense that every everyone turns towards Mecca. Uh, it's also referred to as al-Balad, like we said, uh, in those other verses, but in other ones as well. Ibrahim alayhi salam says, "Wa Ibrahimu Rabbi al Oh Allah, I ask you to make this land safe, Al-Balad. So he refers to Mecca as Al-Balad when he leaves his family there. It's also called Al-Balad Al-Amin, the peaceful city. Uh, it's called Al-Balada, which is also similar, and it's called Haraman Aminan. Awa Lam Lahum Haraman Aminan, a safe, a safe and sacred place. So these are all uh, different names that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to with, uh, in regards to Mecca. And we already mentioned the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu some of about how it's, uh, it's a place that's sacred and it's holy and so on. It it's shouldn't be disrupted, it's animals and everything else. It's also called Wadi these the Zara'an, the uncultivated valley. As we mentioned last week, with the the, the du'a of Ibrahim a.s. as well, رَبَّنَا إِنِّي مِنْ ذُرِيَّتِي بِوَادٍ زَرْعٍ. Oh my Lord, oh our Lord, I have put my family and my children in this place. You know, my children in this place that is uncultivated, and that's referring to Mecca. It's also called an Ma'ad, the place that you return to, because of the verse إنَّ الَّذِي فَرَدَ الْقُرْآنَ لَرَادُكَ إِلَى مَعَادٍ that the Allah tells the Prophet I send them. the one who put gave you the Qur'an is going to return you to Ma'ad. And Ma'ad is the reference that the Prophet I send them. although he's leaving Mecca, he will come back to Mecca. Allah is telling him that Allah is going to take him back to Mecca Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And it's called in Qarya, uh, in, you know, the town or the village in masjid haram of course. Uh, Then there's the question of the boundaries of the Haram around Mecca. So there's a couple things. There's the Kaaba, right? Then there's the Masjid that surrounds the Kaaba. And then there's the area around the Masjid and the Kaaba and everything else that is also still part of the Haram, still part of the sacred area. And then outside of the sacred area, there's now you're in the hill the hill is the opposite of the haram haram is the area where all these rules and things apply the hill is where it no longer applies then outside of that is the miqat which is where if you're coming from outside of the area and you pass by those those are the places where you go into your ihram uh, when you're making the the trips so what's what's the deal with the boundaries of the haram says, the sanctity of Mecca mentioned in the previous passages is not confined to the city of Mecca only. By His grace, Allah has also made the area around Mecca sacred, thus expanding the area of sanctity. A hadith states that Hadrat Jibreel a.s. <laughs> I kind of like Hadrat now. I used to be anti-Hadrat. I don't know why, because I was probably just racist. Um, but I kind of like it now. <laughs> you only really see it in like, subcontinent authors, right? Subcontinent authors will always put hadrat before anyone who is uh, uh, you know, of, of rank. They don't want to refer to uh, a companion or, or, or an angel or something without a title. So they say hadrat. Uh, in Egypt they use it too. You know, they, they, you know If they want to give someone honor, they use the same title. But anyways, hadith, the, there's a hadith that says that Jibril Hadrat Jibreel made Hadrat Ibrahim alayhi salam, stand at the boundary points of the haram and affix a stone to them. So there's a narration that says that this haram was dictated by Jibreel to Ibrahim. Alayhi salam. And that Ibrahim alayhi salam, put the stones in the ground to mark where the edges of the haram are. Uh, and that's like, you know, from obviously very, very early on. The Prophet, sallallahu wa sallam, when they conquered Mecca, he instructed uh, one of the companions. Hadrat Tamim ibn Asad and Khuzai to renew the markings indicating the boundaries. So when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam conquered uh, Mecca, they they remarked all of those things to make them clear. And then over history, uh, people remarked them and sometimes like uh, maybe put new markings that weren't there before but kind of like follow the, you know, like if there's a marking on this wall and there's a marking on that wall, then you can kind of put one here, right? Type thing. Like they they expanded those depending on the routes around the city and just so that people can know where the limits are. Until the number of markings totaled, 943. 943. The total area of the Haram is approximately 550 square kilometers. It's not that big, actually. Um... And it's going to come up a little bit later, but you see that it's not that big by where you go if you're in. So when you're coming from outside, say you're coming from Medina. When you pass the Miqat going from Medina to Mecca, that's in dhun halayfa dhun halayfa is like 10 kilometers outside of Medina. It's very close to Medina. It's over 400 kilometers away from Mecca. So you go into your Ihram and everything else, and then you go all the way to Mecca, you do your Umrah, whatever it might be. And then afterwards you finish, and when you finish your Umrah and everything else, and you get out of your Ihram, you're no, you're, now you're in Hil. So if you want to make another Umrah, you have to go out of the Haram, and then assume the state of Ihram again, and come back into the Haram. But you don't go all the way to the Miqat, right? You go to wherever... The end of the Haram is, and the closest place where everyone does that usually is Masjid Aisha, عنها, in Tanaim. And Tanaim is like less than seven kilometers from the Kaaba, so it's like very close, right? It's not a, it's not far. Some of the other angles, depending on which direction you go, they're a little bit farther, but in the end, it's not really that far. <coughs> yeah, it's. Yeah, it's very close. And some of them are like 20, 20 kilometers. One of them is One of them, They're going to come in the book. <coughs> when the Muslims conquered Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has made this city sacred the day he created the heavens and the earth, and its sanctity shall remain until the day of Qiyamah. None but myself has been granted permission to fight or kill in it, and that permission too is only for a few hours of the day. So that was like an exception in the conquering of Mecca, and after that you can't fight in Mecca. Its sanctity shall now remain inviolable until the Day of Judgment. Its thorns cannot be broken, its animals cannot be harmed, and things fallen on its ground cannot be picked up without the intention of returning it to its owner or making public announcements. It is also forbidden to cut the grass that naturally grows here, as we said. Said ibn Musayyib, one of the early scholars, he said, I have heard that the people of Mecca shall never be destroyed unless they regard the haram as hil. So basically, the people of Mecca will not be destroyed until they start to treat the area of Mecca as if it's not sanctified, as if it's not sacred, as if it's not this holy place, and so on. (coughs) I mean, you have to be very careful in Mecca. Your deeds are multiplied, your sins are multiplied, the things that you do, like, if you stop caring, if you're killing animals, if you stop caring about cutting the grass, if you stop caring about all of these things that are mentioned, then now you're treating it like any other place if you you ca- it's it's you can't treat mecca like every other place it's not like every other place no, it has its its own special rules yeah <laughs> uh, really <laughs> no as far as I know no I mean it's not a good policy but they don't, it's like you, you can't like kill rabbits and stuff you can't hunt you can't hunt. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. I'm sure it will come up as uh, as we go on. I just know the story of Ibn Umar, radiallahu an, that the people from Iraq came and they were they were in the Haram and th- they asked him if they can kill mosquitoes while they're in Ihram. And he told them, you guys came, you just killed the grandson of the Prophet sallam, and now you're asking me about mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> So he gave them a piece of his mind So to speak So here are some of the places that are The edges of the of the haram and the hill Again those places that you go to If you want to make extra umrah <coughs> I never really thought about Making extra umrah to be honest The first time I went I never really did it And But now that I'm reading about it I'm like subhanAllah Just to be able to go to those places And make ihram from them I mean so the first is Masjid Aisha. Masjid Aisha. Why is it called Masjid Aisha? Aisha, Seven and a half kilometers from Mecca. On the road to Medina, it's the closest of all the boundary points. It was built on the spot where Sayyida Aisha entered into the state of Ihram during the farewell Hajj. So what happened? One of the big questions that always comes up when you have Hajj and Umrah and stuff is what does a woman do if her monthly cycle comes, right? Sayyida Aisha radiallahu anha, It's reported that she was experiencing her monthly cycle when they went for the farewell pilgrimage of the Prophet which is the only hajj that he made. The only hajj that he made, Aisha had her monthly cycle during it. So he instructed her to perform all the various rites of hajj except for the tawaf. Because tawaf has a requirement of (coughs) being in a state of purity. There might be some details, we'll get to them when we get to all the fiqh. We're doing the fiqh after. We want to do all of the history and the nice stuff and everything else before, and we worry about the fiqh afterwards. The fiqh is easy at the end, inshaAllah. So uh, she was experiencing that. She, He told her to do everything except for tawaf. So she performed the tawaf after her cycle had ended. And then she said, she's Aisha radiallahu anha, a very smart woman. She said, Ya Rasulullah, you all performed hajj and umrah, and I only got to do hajj. Right? Because most people when they come, they do hajj and umrah. There's different ways to do Hajj. We're not going to get into the fiqh of Hajj, but basically, you can do Hajj, you can do Umrah and then Hajj, or you can do Hajj and Umrah together, or you can do Hajj by itself. Three different ways to do it. Uh, most people will do the Hajj and the Umrah together. So after she finished and she, she cleaned up and then she did, and she went and she did the tawaf, and she said, Ya Rasulullah, I only got to do Hajj. All of you got to do Hajj and Umrah. So the Prophet ﷺ instructed her brother, Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr, to take her to Tanaim. And then it was from there that she performed the Ihram and she came and she did her Umrah and then it was done, right? So she got to do a Hajj and Umrah. He told her to go to that spot. So that spot where Masjid Aisha is, is where Aisha radiallahu anha went and she assumed her Ihram and came in to do the Umrah radiallahu anha. Ibn Juraj says, Rahimahullah, I saw Atta, Rahimahullah, point out the spot where Sayyidah Aisha entered the state of Ihram it was the same spot where the masjid was erected. So like the place where she went into Ihram is where the masjid is. Mm. So it's pretty cool. Uh, That masjid now is pretty big, you know. It can accommodate 15,000 people. It's also in the area of Tanaim that Khubayb ibn Adi was martyred, Khubayb. Khubayb is the one, if you remember in Ramadan, we had that story of Saeed ibn Amr who used to faint sometimes. And Omar called him and like the people complained and Omar called him. He told him, what's the situation? So on and so forth. And he started to, and then the last one is, why do you just faint sometimes? And he said, because when I was a disbeliever, I saw Khubayb was out here. They took him out here and they tortured him. And then he asked to pray Turaqa And he told them, if, you, if it wasn't for that you think that I'm fearing death, I would have made the Turaqa longer, but here I, here I am. And they said, do you want to be, would you like for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to be in your place? And he said, I wouldn't want the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to be even like touched by a thorn, for me to d- be displaced from what I've gone through. He's been tortured horribly and stuff, and then they killed him. That was about two hundred meters south of Masjid Tanaim, so it's like right there, when in the, in the area of the Masjid. That's that's where that whole thing happened. Uh, so that's also you know good to kids to think about. He, they say Khubayb is the one who uh, started the. He's the one who started the practice of praying raka'ah before one is executed, or one is going to die, or like if they have the ability to pray raka'ah before they die, they pray tawdakat, right? Um, that was him. He used to say he's he's the one who said uh, before he died, when I am killed as a Muslim, I don't care which side I fall on. This is all for Allah, and if He wills, He could bless the se- severed limbs of my body. Like I don't care. <laughs> Whatever I have is for Allah. I don't care what happens. And uh, he was martyred, رضي ta'ala anhu. So that's all at tan'eem where Masjid Aisha is. So this is the first of those areas that people go to. Another of the areas that people go to on the edge of the Haram in the Hill, in order to do this, or also like if they live in these areas, there's people, different case areas. But for us, who are coming from outside, we go to these places to assume Ahram uh, 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 and come back in. The next one is called Ji'rana. Ja'rana. Um, Ja'rana is a place where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam actually assumed Ihram from He himself did it Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam So after the battle of Hunain, And there was all this like uh, spoils of war and stuff And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stayed for a while uh, After the battle to... Um, distribute all of that and so on. He camped at Ja'rana. He camped at the place of this uh, spot. And when all of the distribution of the stuff was gone and they had handled everything that they needed to handle, then the Prophet them in the evening after everything was done, he assumed Ihram from there and he went into Mecca, he made Umrah and he left to Medina the same night. So he وسلم, uh did that there. This is also the place where this is the battle where after the battle the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi was giving all these spoils to war to people That you would be maybe surprised about People whose Islam was kind of shady or people whose like things were not so straightforward with them and the, some of the young They say some of the young men from the Ansar. This is when they kind of uh, They said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam like Ya Rasulullah, basically we've been supporting you all this time and like you didn't give us anything <laughs> more or less, right? Like you gave these new Meccans all of this stuff and you, you didn't give us anything, right? And so this is when the Prophet ﷺ told them the, the the phrase that put everything to rest, which was, oh, people of the Ansar, does it not please you? The, these other people, they take home goats and sheep and I go home with you. ﷺ. <laughs> like basically, they can have whatever they want. I'm going home with you. ﷺ. <laughs> And then, of course, their eyes were f- filled with tears, and they went. And, and it was also at that place where the verse was revealed. The verse that talks about Hajj and Umrah. Complete your Hajj and your Umrah for, for Allah. So that's Ji'arana Another one of the places that's uh, famous is the place of Hudaybiyah. Hudaybiyah is probably familiar, right? People remember Hudaybiyah for the uh, number of notable things that happened there. This is when the Prophet ﷺ later in his life had intended to make Umrah and they went in that direction and they were stopped and they didn't make Umrah that year and they made the agreement. But there's a number of important things that happened there even before that. One of the big ones is that Bay'atul Ridwan happened there. Bay'atul Ridwan, which is a very important situation. Which is that when they came to Hudaybiyah and they stopped there and they wanted to like talk to the Meccans, basically tell them, we're here for Umrah, we're not here for battle, anything else. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sent Sayyidina Uthman an, because, of course, he was from a prominent family and well-known in Mecca and everything else. So he sent Uthman in and he didn't come back right away. And when he didn't come back, then rumors started to spread that they had killed Uthman and all of these kind of things. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when that rumor came back, then he took bayah from the people that they were going to go fight and they're going to stay with him and you know, whatever it is, whatever it is. This was called Bayat al-Ridwan, that if they if they took Uthman and they harmed Uthman, then we're going, we're going into Mecca now, not for Umrah, we're going into Mecca for battle. And the, and the many of the companions, they, they gave Bayat to the Prophet at that time. And Allah said about it, it's called Bayat al-Ridwan, which is the Bayat, the allegiance of those with whom Allah is pleased. Because Allah said about it, "Inna nadina yubayyoonika, inna ma Allah." Right? They said, He said, "Those who have given you their pledge, they have given they have given their pledge to Allah." That that pledge to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a pledge to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And then Allah also said about it in the verses that come later. It's in Surah Al-Fatihah. ash that Allah is pleased with those who gave their pledge to you underneath the tree. It was like underneath the tree and they gave the pledge. And then Alhamdulillah, it turned out that Othman was okay. He returned safe and sound. But they still had to make the treaty and there was the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, and so on. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ was told, or Allah referred to that as inna uh, That the Treaty of Hudaybiyah was a great victory for Islam. It was that, you know, they agreed to have peace for 10 years they wouldn't make Umrah that year. They would go back, and this led to a lot of people accepting the religion and so on. So that all happened at this particular spot. So theoretically, you could like go for Umrah, say, "All right, I'm going to do another one. I'm going go to go for Masjid Aisha and think about all this stuff." Then you're going to go, yeah, "I'm going to do another one. I'm going to go to hudaybiyah I'm going to do another one. Run the circuit, you know." <laughs> uh, Mm-hmm. There's also a miracle where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, there's water that ran from his fingers. It's one of the famous miracles of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that the people were thirsty and there was no water and so on and so forth. And uh, he put his hand in the bucket. And when he put his hand in the bucket, then it filled with water, sallallahu The water came from his hand. This happened also in Hudaybiyah. Everyone used it to drink, to make, wudu, make water, make, uh, make wudu and so on. Uh, when Jabir radiallahu was asked about how many people were there, he said the water would have been enough for us even if we were 100,000. But we were 1,500. 1,500 people. And they all made wudu from it. They all drank from it. From the water that came out of the hand of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa And there's another miracle with a well there where it was dried up. And the Prophet sallallahu sallam, um <coughs> spat water into it. And the well filled up. Uh... <coughs> So that's Hudaybiyah. There's also Nakhla. What's interesting, you know, now with Google Maps, you can actually find them because I looked at, I looked, I was looking for Nakhla, like, because here he says Nechla is 45 kilometers from Mecca in the written part, and in the table part, it shows Nakhla as being 13 kilometers away. So I was like, so where is it exactly? So you can actually open Google Maps and see it. Like <laughs> you can put in Nakhla, Mecca, and it'll show you this is where it is, and it's pretty cool. All of that being said, I actually didn't click on the navigate button to figure out how far it actually is, <laughs> but I saw where it is. <laughs> so I don't know the answer. Uh, but Nakhla is between Mecca and Ta'if. And uh, there are some interesting things that happened there as well. For example, Surah Al-Jinn, where uh, it's, it tells the story of the jinn who heard the Prophet them reciting the Qur'an, and then they went back to their jinn. And they told him in You know, we heard this we heard this amazing recitation and uh, you know, so we believed in it, you should believe in it too, and so on and so forth. They heard that recitation at Nakhla at that at that place. Um, so, you know <coughs> This is also one of those interesting little points. There's so much history around all of these places, right? Uh, so it's also said about it that uh, there was another incident that happened there uh, which wasn't like basically uh, there's a verse that's revealed related to it which was that there was a group of companions who were gone to look for this enemy caravan and it was the last day of Rajab is one of the Ashwar al right? It's one of the months you're not supposed to bat- go to fight in. And the caravan was coming right to the point of Nakhla. So like, if we we can't fight them because it's Rajab, but if we wait till tomorrow, they're going to be inside the Haram, so we can't fight them too. right? So now they're like, what do we do? So they actually attacked this caravan. They took the decision to attack the caravan. And um, this was like the first time there were prisoners taken. There were a number of things that happened. And the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he learned about it, he told them, I didn't tell you to attack people in the Shahr al-Haram, in this sacred month. I didn't tell you to do that. And then actually there is a verse that was revealed that's in Surah Al-Baqarah: Yaسأنونك عن الشَّهْرِ al قتالٍ فيه قل قتالٍ فيه كبير وَصَدٌُّ عن سبيل الله وكفر به ومشجدٍ الْحَرَامِ ويخرجوا اهله منه اكبر عند الله و اكبر من القتال so this verse was revealed that says, "They ask you about fighting in the month, in the sacred month, and fighting in it is a big deal. But stopping people from the way of Allah and disbelieving in Him, and stopping them from the Masjid al-Haram and kicking out the people from the Masjid al-Haram, the believers from that area, are all bigger than fighting them in this month. When fitna to akbarum al and fitna is more serious than this." Uh, fighting and this killing that happened So basically it's saying that driving people Out of the religion, out of the haram Like they were justified in attacking So that's uh, that happens there As well as the demolition of Uzza. You know the idol Uzzah Al-Uzzah, Also happens in Nakhla That it was stored in that place And that's where the demolition of that happened uh, I wonder if I should stop Actually no, just this last one mm. uh, And the last one That's here, I mean there's Arafat too Arafat is right outside The Haram Interestingly enough uh, And there's another one that I don't recall what it said in the Arabic I don't know if anyone knows and I can't tell from the way that the Transliteration is in this book But it says Adhatu uh, Laban or I don't know Basically uh, this is on the southern boundary of the Haram 16 kilometers from the area And uh, of, the, of the Masjid And it was Inhabited by Bani khuzaa And um, Basically Like the uh, This is kind of like the incident that led up to The conquering of Mecca Was in this place uh, Which was that uh, Bani Khuza'a was allied with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and Quraysh attacked them. Um, or Bani Bakr who was allied with Quraysh, attacked them. And then when Bani Khuza'a went after them, they went into the haram to say like, okay, you can't attack us now basically. So they said you, you, you rob and you kill and you do all these things inside the haram and then when it's time to fight, you go and, and you seek refuge there. And then they went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to complain about it. And he considered that a breaking of the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, which led to the conquest of Mecca. right? So that actually also takes place uh, at that place of Adhatul uh, uh, Leban. Uh, uh-huh. So that's all of these edges of the hill and the haram. Then the next question is the areas that are the miqat, which we'll talk about inshallah next time. Any questions?